0: Welcome to Happy Talks with Dr. Alice and Donovan. Dr. Alice Fong is a holistic, naturopathic doctor and founder of Amour de Sois Wellness, and Donovan Jensen is a software engineer and founder of HowToHappy.com. Together, They're out to cause more happiness in the world.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Happy Talks. My name is Dr. Alice, and this is my awesome co-host, Donovan. And today I have a very special, awesome guest, Walker Brandt, who is a professional actor, model, spokesperson, and new author. She has worked internationally in the entertainment industry for over 25 years on blockbuster films, TV shows, and over 2,000 advertising campaigns and commercials for Global Brands. Please welcome Walker. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So yeah, why don't we just dive in and uh, I'd love to hear a little more about your story. And it sounds like you had a interesting, unique childhood. And if you wanna share how that has led you to doing what you're doing now, that'd
2: be great. Absolutely so uh yeah my my life has been an interesting journey and I, I i first i want to acknowledge both of you for the name of your show happy mm-hmm. talks and for the powerful language that it has because mm-hmm. the word happy is it's a loaded word mm-hmm. like the word temporary it has this load in it that we all have a familiarity with mm-hmm. so when somebody says it it brightens us. It changes our biology just like that, you know, and that leads into why I was drawn to you because my life started in a very unhappy way. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, I recognized that I had some power to change it really young. When I went outside into nature, something shifted inside my, my energy. I connected there. I found happiness there. I found acceptance there and it created something different from the environment that I was growing up in, which was violent and alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of, a uh, lot of abuse and um, it was generational. So the level of unhappiness because of so many generations stepping into a story And not feeling that they had a right or the ability to choose something new. Mm -hmm. I developed this awareness at a young age because of nature. Because of the uncertainty of nature. Because of walking out into a space and never knowing what was going to happen. But being okay with it. You know, when we're kids, we walk into this adventure. We don't run from it. We like, you know, there there isn't a kid out there that tried to walk and fell down and said, that's it, I'm sober, not doing it anymore. We all Mm -hmm. get right back up, fall down, get up, fall down. That's what our nature is. That's what the subtitle of my book, uh, Awaken, Discovering Yourself Through the Light of Your Innocence, is about. It's about connecting with that innocence and seeing the world from that place. Because when you see the world from that place, it's a holistic experience. It takes you in there in your intellect, takes you in there in your energy, you're physically connecting with it, the the, the tactile nature of of our being. Uh, There's so much in our senses when we're young that we're experiencing that we don't intellectualize. And it's that beauty of the innocence in that space that gives us this courage. It gives us this exploring, adventurous spirit, right? Mm-hmm. So it's such a beautiful thing. And when you go through abuse, you go through any kind of trauma, uh, the first thing that starts to sort of seep away is that innocence, the feeling that you're innocence, the connection to that. And it's not because it's gone, it's because it gets buried a little bit. And it depends on the experience that you've been through, how deep it, it gets buried. And it's so important to be your own excavator and keep pushing that stuff away. And that's something that uh, I began to do. And that's where Awaken um, sort of came out of that is the majority of my life, I was so quiet about what I'd lived through. I was afraid to tell anyone, to, to be frank. I, was, I felt shame. Um, I felt that I would be judged. And I landed in a great career unexpectedly. It was not something I ever thought I would be. I wanted to be a veterinarian. I thought I'm gonna, work. I had always worked with animals. I love animals. I thought, That's what I'm gonna do. Or a psychologist. But I had no idea that I could be a model or be an actor. In fact, when it first was presented to me, I was I literally ran the other direction and accused the photographer of being. A creeper, (laughs) because I was like, "You just get away from me. You want to take pictures of me? That's just wrong." I was just not. That wasn't my mindset. I was very guarded, and so once I started working, your agents, you know, they sell you as a certain type. People started seeing me as a type that I had not registered within myself. I didn't know what who I was. I was discovering who I was within that that space of. Trying to navigate between the story that I was in and didn't have control to get out of yet, and then once I left it, who who was I developing into? And when somebody saw me as something that didn't have all that attached to it, I latched onto that and thought, oh gosh, I can't tell them where I come from. They're going to think that I'm you know weak or I'm damaged or I'm which I was damaged, was weak. I left home at fourteen. I uh, started leaving home at 13 and by the age of 15, I was gone permanently. And I was emancipated at 16. And I, I've been taking care of myself since a very young age. So it wasn't that I wasn't strong, resilient, determined. It was that, and it wasn't that I didn't know how to find happiness. It was that I didn't know how to define it in myself, mm-hmm. be okay with it. I didn't have that language yet. I was just a young person. You know, we're all developing our language, our identities in these uh, specific ages. And when you are in a a healthy environment, it's like a nice space to bounce off of and discover and start to create this when you don't have that and you're in survival, which is what I was because I was on my own and I had left a small town in big city of Los Angeles. And it was, you know, it was intense. So. So my agents had this idea and I just started working on great projects. And it was like, oh gosh, this is great. I'm just going to keep doing this because I can make a good living. I'm not on the street. I'm, you know, I can provide for myself. And, um, and then over time I started feeling this split inside of me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, i I got to be comfortable with this part of me. I've got to be able to, even though I've worked, I've been a personal, uh, development, training and development advocate my whole life um, and worked on myself because I knew uh, as a young teen, I needed to develop what I wasn't given. I had that insight to do that, that I got from nature too. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started developing these tools and I think they also drew drew me to, to acting because a lot of my tools were based on using my imagination to create a story that was different than where I came from. I knew I didn't have to just accept that story. I knew I could create something different because when I stepped out of the house and went into nature, I did. And I found happiness and I found levity inside my spirit. So I knew there was something else. I just didn't have the intellectual ability to understand what the heck I was doing, you know? And then then acting comes along and there's this beautiful craft and I'm seeing this affinity and this parallel and I'm learning this wonderful craft. And it's also enhancing the tools that I developed as a kid. And so my personal development started speeding up because I was understanding what was happening consciously. So things started working together. I started developing, but then I got to a point where it was like, okay, I'm afraid to tell my agents. I'm afraid to tell people where I came from. Then I couldn't do it anymore. I met a lady named Lisa Nichols and she said to me, I don't know if you know who she is, but she's an amazing speaker. Your story doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the person who it helps. Mm-hmm. Man, Purple. Yeah, it hit me really, really hard because I've always helped kids, always wanted to help, and always just been a helper. And that's been my my sort of path. and uh, And I thought, my gosh, so I'm hiding this is not helping. I got to get this down. And I sat down and I didn't get up for almost eight months and wrote my book in 2019. And I had little bits, you know, I've written scripts and poetry since I was a kid and short stories and things like that. But my stories and my writing has always been kind of my private thing. It's been where I heal, where I grow. And, uh, and then I just thought, all right, well, I'm going to do this. And I don't tend to do anything small. So I just wrote a book and put it out there. <laughs> And it was like okay, here it is. This is me. If you didn't know, this is where I came from. This is my story, and uh, and it's been great. It's uh, so much has changed through COVID. I I met some amazing people uh, through the process of publishing this. I work with a lady named Grandma Sparky. I've, I've been volunteering. Just to digress for a second. Volunteering for different organizations for years. Um, I became a uh, casa advocate. Um, uh, uh, a couple of years ago and always and I've helped kids throughout my life and then I met grandma Sparky who created this ribbon which I'm going to introduce to you right now can you see this mm, yeah I have a blue ribbon in my hand it says who I am makes a difference
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I'd like to honor you both with this blue ribbon wow I'd like to say who you are makes a difference because both of you have the courage to put yourself out in the public space, every opportunity you have to speak with someone new, to share a story, to share who you are, to be vulnerable, to be authentic. And that takes so much courage. It takes inspiration, motivation, so much of what humanity needs. And you're a doctor and you're an engineer and what you offer the world makes a huge difference. So if I may, can I virtually put this above your heart? Sure, sure. Of course. Okay. The ribbon goes right here above your heart, faces up to your highest dreams. And at the end of the end of the ribbon, you'll see, excuse me, these little cheerleaders. There's like three little cheerleaders there going, woo. And the sound <laughs> it, that makes dreams come true is bing! <laughs> so that is the sound that Grandma Sparky, when she downloaded this ribbon 40 years ago, she left her husband in an abusive relationship. And she said, I need to get off. She was suicidal. And she said, I want to go to a place where people love each other. And she created a little pin. And then it, it, it evolved into this ribbon. And it's impacted over 50 million people. And so we connected because our hearts are in the same place. We both uh, now co-teach a program called Standing Strong Together. That's a multi uh, intergenerational course. It's about it's a community building leadership training program. She's done all the landmark courses for many, many years and, uh, and worked with uh, her stories. Were her story, one of her stories was in chicken soup for the soul. Um, Jack Canfield is uh, a good friend of hers and several other people that we all have connections with. And, uh, and so we were drawn to each other after I wrote my book. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you decide to share who you are and be okay with it and invite it to be part of what makes you happy and part of what it is that is who you are, even if there's something that may have been connected to shame or make, there's a judgment to it, a title to it, a label that, that personal acceptance and outing you never know what's going to come and I've been asking to collaborate with several people and I just put up to God and said let let I'm letting you choose because I don't know who you want in my life and then boom she and I connected and then we started rewriting her in person into a zoom virtual course we could teach during COVID and uh and that's what that's what I've been doing now and I've like I said, I've worked with several different organizations throughout my life and uh, helped kids throughout my life that our way to, to create thriving instead of surviving
1: mm. to
2: teach leadership skills is to teach self-acceptance, to first start with the self, the first relationship, the most important relationship. That's what I would do out in nature because I found a way to love me, even though I felt no love in my home. I found a way to love me. And I made it my number one choice and goal was to know love. Because if I knew love, then at least I could bring that to the table. And my relationships, although they may not be easy, and I go through some changes, which I have um, as a result of, you know, what I lived through, you got, you you have to go through your stuff. You got to get it. You got to go through your stuff. You got to walk your path. Right. But if your first relationship has a solid foundation of wanting to be uh, wanting to know what love is and wanting to be happy, then you're going to have a clear understanding of what it is to be in a relationship, right? And what you have to bring to the table. So that's kind of it. That's kind of my story. You ask me certain specific questions and whatever else you'd like to chat about. I
0: yeah, so there's a lot of different points uh, that potentially we can unpack here. But I think one of the things that, that I want to start with, and I'm sure we'll touch on on other things. One of the things I kind of wanted to start with is, uh, you know, you mentioned this thrive instead of survive idea, right? And I think uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, have backgrounds of various types, maybe to not as extreme, but various types of backgrounds that, that have them honed in on kind of these survival instincts. And then at a certain point are able to figure out enough to survive but don't really have these tools to thrive. So I'd be curious, you know, uh, if someone comes into that program or you you were just coaching them or talking to them in general and and they come in with, okay, I've got these survival techniques. I know how to make sure that I am at least okay in the world, but I don't know how to, you know, take it to the next level and be more engaged, be happier, be more connected, all these other things. Where do you think people should start on that journey of kind of acceptance and, and some of those other things?
2: Well, the first, the first thing I always talk about is, um, and share is when you begin a relationship with somebody else, what is it that you're wanting them to fill inside of you? What is it that you're wanting them to fill? And if you're, what are you looking for, for them to make you happy? Are you looking for them to bring excitement in? What is it that you're asking and what's your expectation? Starting with the self. From there, you'll discover very quickly what you need to give you first. Mm -hmm. So this takes you out of looking on the outside, which is a survival, looking from on the outside in to the inside out, which is where thriving comes from, because we can't thrive unless it starts here. We don't thrive as a result of other people. We thrive as a result of our choices. And those come from where our mindset, our state of mind is, what we've learned, what we've decided that is our need, right? So I that's where I begin is first with the self. And Sparky and I both have the same exact technique of, as we discovered our synchronicity is, and then to others, and then to trust, trusting that you can be this for yourself is probably one of the most important uh, obstacles. And one of the biggest challenges is because of the dialogue and the language that's been going on as a result of what you've been through, the trust in yourself has been compromised. So it, it begins with trusting you first so you can trust another person Hmm. Trust is a foundational uh, um, need to thriving. It's like, you know, Maslow's, the basic need, we got to feel safe. We got to feel like we can uh, be ourselves in the space. Can't do that if you're not trusting yourself. If you can't do that, if you're judging that you don't have the ability that you want somebody else to show you. I think we all have it inside of us, no matter what we've been through. We have the ability to reflect the innocence separate from what we've been through back into ourselves. We just have to be willing to look at that. We have to be willing to say, okay, I lived this. I've been through this. I can choose that. What's the opposite of that? Even, I don't know what that is. If it's just something like, one word, start there. If it's, I experienced abuse and hate. I want to experience kindness and love. So all day, kindness and love is your focus. Research it, read it, look at the word. I did that with love for years because I didn't experience. I studied everything I could on love just so I can understand what it meant in all different religions. I gave myself the permission to move beyond what I knew and into what I didn't know and uh and explore and just explore so that's that's my first is if you, you want to move from survival to thriving it's got to come from the inside out it has to be permission first to you give yourself and that's trusting regardless of whether or not you know the language, you don't, there are no, there are no bad questions and there are no silly statements. There are no, As the first thing we deal with. We have people in class that are in their 70s and people in class that are 12. And the intergenerational connection is so beautiful because of that, because of the teaching that happens at these two levels. And what I, we consistently hear is from older generations is, oh my gosh, I was so afraid to be in a class with kids. I'm so glad I did this. I learned so much. And then the kids saying, I am so, I didn't think I could, like, I was nervous. I, I just thought that I would just be told what to do. And I really feel like I'm appreciated. And I really feel like I have a voice. And I really feel like I contributed and I helped people that were so much older than me. This. This is what I'm explaining about thriving and surviving, is that is like the living picture of it, is that the judgment goes out the window, the new experience changes it, helps trust.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I feel like it provides kind of a foundational layer, right? Like you were saying, of basically you have to figure out how to do it internally before you can kind of build the rest of your life and the rest of the things that you want. And I I really like that exercise of kind of thinking what you're trying to get out of other relationships and how you can source that for yourself. Cause I think that's a really uh, an interesting frame that that helps uh, make it feel more concrete. And the other thing that I pulled out of that is it sounds like this course or this group that you get together has a really nice safe foundation that people can open up and kind of explore some of these things that they may not otherwise. And, um, you know, I'd be curious if you agree or disagree, but I think that sounds to me like another key piece of, of sort of getting out of this survival to thriving is finding these sorts of environments where you can be more open instead of more guarded, because I've got to imagine, you know, if you've experienced a lot of, um, trauma in the past, you've been in a lot of circumstances where opening up too much, get you beat down in some way, right? Some sort of negative thing happens from opening up. So I would imagine part of that process is finding these environments where you can start exploring those pieces without the fear of sort of these negative consequences or interactions.
2: Absolutely. It's a six week virtual course and that's exactly what we do is we create that safe place. It is, uh, we have breakouts and uh, you know, breakout, sometimes two people, three people, five people, depending on the subject matter. And we go through, um, all these different levels until you are being the change that you want to see because what change you want to see in the world has to happen inside you first. Right? So that's, that's what the process is, is, is where are you being right now? And it's okay to be exactly where you are this is how, I mean, we are extraordinary beings. We can evolve like that. We can shift like that and never go back to where we were. That's the gift of who we are. We give ourselves that permission. We've seen that happen. We we've worked with kids that are super high risk kids, schools that um, kids have to live at because they've been through such extraordinary circumstances and abuse. And with teachers, we've had a course with 30 teachers, 30 students. who have had And like I said, uh, all different generations, but that is the goal. When you have that safe place, which is meant to be the family, but unfortunately it isn't. That is what the family is meant to be. It's a place for us to grow and thrive and discover and learn and adventure and begin the path that we came here to live. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen that way very often as your previous guest outlined in those statistics. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's shocking the level of abuse that exists in our world. And humanity, our goal, Sparky and I, that's similar goal we have, is uniting humanity through the power of love. Humanity is desperate for, for that. Desperate to just have everyone be okay with just being loving and kind and happy and joyous and on our unique paths and appreciated for it, right? We just, more than anything, want to be acknowledged that we have something to give, and that we are here as part of this family of humanity, and we're here to do something special with one another—not to spite, not to necessarily compete, but to with one another, yeah. collaborate with one another, and um, yeah, that's that's kind of—and so you're right, 100%, Donovan. It's about creating that space because growth happens very, very quickly and shifts in that space.
1: Yeah. I had a kind of question related to that um, because like I love the concept of your book of discovering yourself through the light of your innocence and when I think about innocence I could definitely understand you know if you've had a history of trauma or abuse you lose it a lot faster and it's it's been in my mind and I don't know uh, if you both can relate like how I've learned about this concept is like, once you lose it, it's gone for good kind of a thing. So I'm like, how does a child kind of rediscover that part of them, especially when they've had such a traumatic childhood?
2: So for me, I, because we go through these, these changes, like when I was, you know, shifts of growth and, and a teen, the teen years, for example, is a time when so much is happening physiologically and emotionally, so much is changing. During that period of my life, I, I was suicidal. I had, was so overwhelmed. I was just, you would not, if you talked to me about innocence then, I would not have even known what the heck you were talking about. I felt so alone and helpless and hopeless because uh, my life was not in my control until I left. What I discover is a memory of being in nature. It kept lighting my way. And when I became a young adult, i put myself back into therapy. I went into Jungian therapy. And my therapist said to me, I don't know where this this perspective you have. I've not seen it before, but for what you've been through the way that you talk and the way you're sitting here, I'm trying to understand where it's coming from. And I would say nature. And she'd say, what do you mean nature? And I said, there's something I felt in nature that made me feel like I could still be a kid. Mm -hmm. And that is what, I mean the child all of us have a child within us right we have you know you hear the inner child you hear all the all the different um you know colloquialisms that we hear about you know being let your inner child live and like the truth is is it there is a child in each of us the child is the playful nature there's these um oh, the word is escaping me right now uh aspects whatever comes aspect is a word, but it's different. There's, it's a different word. But there's uh, different elements of who we are. The child never leaves. We don't give the child permission to play is what happens. We grow up and become our intellectualized selves, our products of what we want to achieve in the world. and then we take the permission away from the child to play and become the adult. And so when you, uh, when you allow yourself to play again as an adult, that's when the child comes back in. That's when you connect to your innocence. And funnily enough, you will see similar behaviors in you now, as you demonstrated as a child, as a little kid, you'll have a memory that'll pop up and go, oh my gosh, I really haven't grown up at all in this area. I'm exactly the same. That's your innocence that's never gone. It's what you just decided not to give permission because there's a such vulnerability there. What scares adults more than anything is vulnerability because vulnerability often, what scares adults more than anything is vulnerability, because vulnerability means putting yourself out there, no matter if the person sitting next to you is putting themselves out there, no matter if they give you anything back, whether or not they laugh at you, whether or not they like think you're weird. Mm -hmm. We learn in those teen years to put a lot of value on that. So I had to go through those teen years back in to my, I was 19 years old, when, 18, 19 years old when I went into union therapy. And I said, I need to connect. I wanna connect with that space that I, I lived in in nature. And I, I, it's what made me leave. And then I got so focused on surviving. I wanna thrive again. And then once I started, I wanna feel that freedom again is what I said. And she was surprised I was using these words. I felt freedom in nature. So that's where, I hope I answered your question, Dr. Alice, is that the innocence in a child comes from the permission we give as the steward of the child inside of us as an adult. Do we give ourselves permission to play? Do we give ourselves that permission? Yeah, definitely.
1: That answered it very uh, thoroughly. Uh, kind of my follow-up question to that, I, I, you kept mentioning like, nature and connecting with that which I totally resonate with because I think we all feel a little bit better in nature but I I guess what was going on in my brain was like okay if someone's like stressed and worried do they what what practical tools would you offer to be like okay they're standing in nature now what if if that's what they're thinking or do they just hang out there do they sit like what how do they connect with the nature I guess as (laughs) well Follow-up question.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm a tree hugger.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh-huh. I'm a
2: tree hugger, but I'm something mean, like I, you know, I mean, if I could fit, I can fit my hands around, I will. But what I do, this is a tool that I use all the time, is I'll go up to a tree and I'll place my hand on the tree. Mm-hmm. And I lean into the tree. Mm-hmm. And I just absorb this strength. Mm the rooted nature of the tree, the generations, the cycles this tree has been through. It's been through the seasons over and over and over again. Yeah. And the ability to maintain through all the changes and keep its strength, integrity, and stability. This is the symbol of a tree to me. So as a kid, I used to just sit and read a book and lean against a tree. This helped me a lot in my 20s. Oh my goodness, I was going through a lot in my 20s. I would go out for a hike and I would just sit and lean on a tree. Think about what that tree means. Just looking at a plant or a tree or or a bug or a, a, a bird, any creature, an ant. I've learned so much from ants. I can't even tell you. Just watching these little creatures carrying around you know, 10 times their size and we just determination and they have a set path and they're, they're serving the community and they're out there. And without them, there'd be chaos Mm -hmm. and the, and you know, and there's, so nature has this constant that we don't give ourselves the opportunity to look at that constant. We're going from one thing to another thing, to another thing, to another thing. This is why I love trees so much is because the constant Mm-hmm. strength they are, that consistent nature. And that's, um, so that would be when I walk with people in, in nature and, and take them into my space in nature, that's one of the first things we do is we go up to a tree and it's funny because some people just laugh. They're just mm-hmm. like, okay, I got my hand on the tree. Am mm-hmm. I supposed to feel something here? I said, no, just let yourself appreciate the tree. Mm-hmm. What it is. What is that? What does it make it? there are no rules What do you feel? What is seeing something this strong, this tall, that has been here this many years, what does it make you feel? Stable. Usually the word stable, safe,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: strength, dependability. These are all things people that have been through abuse are missing. Mm -hmm. So when you go out and connect with something in nature that makes you feel those things that you didn't have and connect with as a child because of your abuse. It shifts in you and it makes you recognize very quickly that that little space that you thought needed to have all the answers. It it didn't have the answers and it's okay that it didn't because there's this massive space out here that has the answers for you, that has those gifts for you, and that you get to define them. And when you get to define them, they become a part of you from the inside out, not from the outside in, which is what your abuse was from the outside in. That is a huge shift. It's like, oh my gosh, So from the outside in, it's been dictating and defining what I am. I am on the inside out. Hang on just a second. I now have the ability to shift my own language. I get to have this huge canvas out here i get to define me i get to make new Mm -hmm. ideas for myself new story new path new direction so i I love that (laughs) yeah it's extraordinarily useful to me let me tell you (laughs) i worked with horses for many many years too horses i started horses and i grew up with them and uh I would always find them around me. So wherever we moved, I found people that had horses and I would train them and spend a lot of time with them. Horses are so beautiful as an animal to learn that from, because of the graciousness of of the animal. They're, they're a prey animal. Their eyes are on the side of their, their head. We're a predator. Ours are in front. And they just let us jump up on their backs, tell them what to do and ride them around. And I always think of them that way. I always think, my gosh, this, Prey is letting me, a predator in the animal world, based on my physiology, jump up on their back because they trust me. Why do they trust me? They trust me because I'm in tune with giving them that that experience that they can trust me because I did that work. I know myself enough to know what I'm giving to an animal, to a person, because I developed trust in myself. So the animal feels it. So I did a lot of work with horses uh, as a kid and as a young adult, uh, spent hours and hours every day with horses to help me learn from them to trust.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, I'm going to reframe some of the, some of the things that you've been talking about, but to me, it sounds like there's a number of techniques that you've found or built to do mindfulness of various kinds, right? Which for most people is a little bit easier in nature, just because there's so many things to look at and check out and pay attention to as well as a lot of work around changing or acknowledging your relationship in different aspects. So by kind of sitting down and paying attention to your relationship with horses or with nature while being mindful, seeing some of the space to build relationships or control kind of the narrative, like you were talking about before with some of these other aspects of your life. So uh, I just thought it was an interesting set of tools that that you've developed and um, one that I think should be applicable for most people. Maybe not horses. I don't know. If I get near a horse, I like swell up and my nose starts <laughs> running and stuff. But uh, just just kind of this idea of uh, using nature as sort of a, a, a way to ground into the present and then use that space to start taking apart some of these historical relationships and start seeing some of the different ways that, that we can potentially look at that, I thought was really useful.
2: Awesome. Yeah. You know, it's around us all the time. I'm an observer. I've found that observing there's so much we can learn um, from just paying attention to the environment around us and observing. Uh, it's funny. I was in, I'll tell you a quick little story. I was in a relationship with a native American man for many years and uh, very traditional native American. And I was studying, a concordance at the time I was studying on love and reading and all of a sudden, and uh, earlier that week, there were ants coming in the kitchen. And I mean, we're talking a train of ants and I, I don't want ants in my kitchen. <laughs> I was like, I don't want the ants in my kitchen. I need the ants to be out of the kitchen now making dinner. And they're all over the place and the kids in the house. So it was like, you know, natural that it was going to, there was not Counters are gonna have little particles and whatnot on it. So the ants are everywhere. And I start chewing them out, you know, and he's very gentle about, you know, everything, every living creature. And I'm shooing them out. And I said, okay, I'm gonna put salt there. I'm gonna put, you know. And he's like, you need to be just a little more gentle, just ask them to leave. I'm just like, I just don't have the patience for that. I'm just not gonna ask them. I want them gone now. And he's, you know, in my face about it. So I'm outside reading week later and this ant cruises up and drops off a dead ant and cruises all away just leaves dead ant right on my book I look over and I said uh something really unusual and there's an ant right now actually cruising right next to my keyboard I'm not kidding you. there's a baby ant right here <laughs> so I said Nick uh there's an ant that just dropped an ant off in my book and he looked at me and he said I told you, lessons are everywhere. You should have been more gentle with the ants. Mm. And I just looked at him and I went, like, and you know, this is Native, the way he was, was just that every creature has an energy field. Every creature has a way about them. And when we get into our, and there's a lesson in every circumstance, he was always observing. That's the beautiful, uh, one of the beautiful elements about Native American culture is the, connection with nature and the observing nature and the respect for nature and I'm sure that's why I got I know that's why I got into the relationship is because uh because of my love for nature drew me to that relationship and I wanted to learn more about that connection so to you know connect with your your statement Donovan yeah that 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 you that which we see in front of us is always an opportunity to learn there's always something that we can receive from any circumstance, even a negative, something that's not, there's a lesson there. And observing is something that I learned to do. The observing of nature seeing how things interacted and that there was a cycle. That's, so that's, yeah. If you're allergic to horses, it won't be horses, <laughs> but there's something in your life that you've drawn to you that is going to teach you something if you allow yourself the moment to slow down and observe it. Why is it here? Why do I have this dog? Why do I have this cat? Why do I have this fish? What is is the opportunity here? What what am I getting from it? What am I giving it? What is it teaching me? That was what I learned in that relationship. (laughs) Beautiful,
1: beautiful. Well, thank you Walker for just sharing such incredible insights. We are out of time, but before uh, we wrap up today, was there anything you'd like to plug?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'd love to share my book if you, uh, it's available on Amazon. If you're a Kindle uh, subscriber, it's free. Um, And uh, I am teaching, co-teaching a course called Standing Strong Together Community Building Leadership Training Certification. With Grandma Sparky, uh, Grandma Sparky, Elise Grandma Sparky Bridges. She is the founder of Blue Ribbons Worldwide. You can go on to the website, blueribbons.org, and find out about the course. You can find out about her, and you can reach me at walkerwalkerbrant.com, and I can share more. You can also reach me at at walkerblueribbons.org. Um, yes, and if you'd like to chat or, you know, any any uh, help I can get that's that's what I'm at that's where I'm at right now that's what I do and uh, thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of this conversation and thank you for inviting me Donovan and Dr. Alice I appreciate you for word.
1: thank you for for joining us on our show (laughs) thank you for listening to this week's episode of happy talks with Dr. Allison Donovan
0: we hope you got something of value to help bring a little more happiness into your life what lesson or takeaway did you get from today's episode
1: For more tips and tools, be sure to check out my website at DrAliceFong.com. And you can find me on my social media handles at DrAliceFong.
0: You can find me at HowToHappy.com and follow me on my social media handles at HowToHappy.
1: Catch Catch you next next time. time.